best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Yes, hello there. You're very welcome to episode 27 of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. My name is Jamie Moore. Very happy you're joining me again this week. Coming up over the next hour or so, we're going to be talking all things Europa League with Dundalk striker Patrick Huben ahead of their Europa League third qualifying round first leg game against Slovakian side Slovan Bratislava in Slovakia. That game is on Wednesday evening with a 7.15 kickoff. It is live on Air Sport. And don't worry if you're joining us after the game has happened. We've still got loads more on the podcast to keep you going between now and the weekend. Our FAI Cup special will be joined by men who will face each other this Friday at Dalyman Park at 7.45 as Bowes face Shelburne. Keith Buckley, the Bowes vice captain. And former Bohemians man, now Shelburne winger Carl Moore will be in studio together. Bucko in studio and uh, Morsey on the phone. League of Ireland legend Declan Fabio O'Brien on the FAI Cup. And also his friendship with Kieran Lucid, who's the man who wants to make an all-island League of Ireland with the teams from the north and the teams from the south. We'll get Fabio's views on that. And also how he played for a team in Malta. And then we'll be joined in the studio by Martin Tully, the dad of League of Ireland legend also Oren Tully. Oren uh, passed away very sadly last year at the age of 19 after a, a bowel condition. And Oren was a massive Chelsea fan. You'll remember him from the My Special Day on Sky Sports back in 2013. He was also a huge Bohemians fan, the Ginger Mourinho. And Martin will remind us of Oren and also tell us about the big charity game between Skerry's Town and Bowles taking place next weekend. That's all on the way in episode 27 of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. We shall get things going though with Mr. Patrick Huben. Off the Balls League of Ireland podcast. Now I'm very happy to welcome Dundalk striker Patrick Hubin back to the show. And Patrick, of course, Dundalk's all-time leading scorer and got his first ever Champions League goal in their Champions League second qualifying round first leg game against FK Karabakh from Azerbaijan in a 1-1 draw at Oriel Park a couple of weeks ago. Now the second leg took place uh, the week just gone. Dundalk beaten 3-0 in Azerbaijan in the heat and they're now out of the Champions League but into the Europa League third qualifying round and of course we remember Dundalk made it all the way to the group stages back in 2016. They'll face Slovakian side Slovan Bratislava away this coming Wednesday with the second leg at Tala Stadium in Dublin on Tuesday week. Dundalk can't play in Oriel Park at this stage of the competition because the stadium doesn't meet UEFA standards and Patrick joins us now. Patrick, thanks for having a chat with us. How are you? Firstly, just your views on the Champions League game, second leg against Carabag, and I suppose the first leg too, your Champions League goal and the ultimate exit from the Champions League and route now to the Europa League. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was a great feeling scoring my first ever Champions League goal. Um, you know, stuff that you know you dream of, really, even though it's from only two yards out, but you take it how it comes. Um, yeah, it was just a great feeling. Um, Carbag overall, you know, they were, you know, we knew they were a high quality side. You know, we we've done a lot of work on them. You know, two weeks of work, we done on Carbag, and we knew their strengths, and uh, we knew it was always going to be difficult away from home. You know, it was a pity that you know we didn't go in with a, you know, with a lead. Uh, I thought we'd done enough in Oriel to to win the game, and you know, to go going to places like that, you you know, you know, it would have been better going in with a lead. Um, I thought we dominated the uh, second half. In Oriel, and we do, we done enough to win the game, but it was just the way it was. And you know, going there, one all, you knew you had to score. And but you know, hats off to them. You know, they were they were high quality side. Uh, they they played fast flowing football, which I was which I said before. And the, you know, they they moved us so quick with a high intensity in the first half that was it was kind of hard to live with. And even though we tried our best to stop gaps, they were still finding them. And um, you know the early goal probably settled them, and then you know after that it was, you know we had to come out and try and score, and we just left so many gaps. And you know a team like that are always going to exploit it, especially being, 
you know, ranked above Inter Milan, Galatasaray, and teams of those high caliber. So, you know, it was, you know, it was a great experience, and you know they deserved a victory overall. And you know, just you just all you can do is wish them all the best for the rest of the season. And I hope they actually go on and gain to the group stages now. Yeah, Dundalk unfortunate to not take advantage of the chances they had in the first leg and had they gone over to Azerbaijan with something to defend, things could have been different. But out of the Champions League, Patrick, and the last thing on that game is the heat and you guys headed off to a training camp in Spain in the middle of the summer to try and get used to temperatures like that. But, you know, just looking at some of the video clips and the reports, even, you know, players like Sean Gannon, who's one of the fittest players at the club and one of the fittest players in the league, even he was struggling with the, the heat and the humidity as well. It must have been very, very difficult to try and play to the level you guys have done in recent years given you never really played in conditions like that, or at least not too often. Yeah, you know, like we've done the best we could to prepare for these kind of situations. Um, you know, we went to Spain in the mid-season when it was like uh, high 30s there, training in that kind of heat. Um, you know, we've done our best to try and prepare for these kind of situations, but, you know, it, it's a totally different story when you're playing a game, I suppose. Um, you know, the heat over in Azerbaijan, you know, it, it did play a big factor. Um you know that we trained the day before and it, it was 28 29 degrees at eight o'clock but there was a small bit of a breeze so it actually felt nice but then you know day of the game there was no breeze at all and uh it was just dead heat uh very humid um you know you have to be you have to be kind of clever with your energy levels and you know it's it, it's difficult for you know to do that for you know for the whole 90 minutes and you know we found it very hard to try and impress them and um it definitely does play a factor. Um, but here, look, you, you don't want to be making too many excuses either because you, you, we did just get beat by the you know by the better side and, and you just have to take it on the chin and just move on and learn. Yeah, I couldn't imagine playing in heat like that. Attention now turns, Patrick, from the Champions League qualifiers to the Europa League qualifiers and it's the third qualifying round first leg against Slovakian side Slovan Bratislava uh, this coming Wednesday away and then Tuesday week back here in Ireland in Tala Stadium. Now, Slovan Bratislava played Verona Kelly from Kosovo in the last qualifying round, winning by uh, four goals to one in aggregate. What do you know about them, Patrick, and what's your overall views on the game? Yeah, you know, uh, looking forward to, you know, a big test against them. You know, they're they're a very good side. Uh, you know, I think the history kind of speaks for itself with them. Um, we done a lot of uh, video analysis uh, yesterday on their strengths. Um and how they set up and you know you, you can just tell from that straight away that you know they're technically very good and and they have quite a very good attack and tread and which will need to be stopped but you know definitely looking forward to the tough test uh, because it's going to be different for us this time um, playing away from home first so hopefully we can bring a positive result back to Tala next week and yeah just looking forward to it and you know hopefully we bring something home now, the former Dundalk captain and now the senior opposition analyst Stephen O'Donnell has been doing Trojan work, getting information on all the opposition teams ahead of these European games. And I think he was actually away watching the possible Champions League opponents and yeah, not going to be in the Champions League. So it's the Europa League against the Slovan Bratislava team. So what sort of information, Patrick, do you personally find helpful as a striker on the opposition? And what are you looking for from the coaching staff to give you to try and help you in these European games actually on the pitch? Yeah, Stevie's done an unbelievable job. Um, always has, you know, the best information possible for us. He goes into extreme detail and which is very good. Um, as do all the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Bratislava, this they set up different to the other two teams we've played, so it's it's going to be a new test for us. And um, 
you know, we we always have every detail uh, possible given to us, and it's a lot of information to take in, but, you know, it's worthwhile, and, uh, you know, on the way home from the plane uh, from Baku, uh, you know, the coaching staff are watching uh, Bratislava straight away. Um, I think their last two or three games um, that they played in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I couldn't sleep a wink, so I was actually watching bits of it myself, and... Um, so, yeah, you know, we get a lot of information given to us, but, you know, you just have to take it all in and make sure you prepare well for these kind of games because, you know, this is what you look forward to in the season. And, you know, as for myself, the information I take in is obviously about, you know, obviously the, about the back four and, you know, do they get touched tight or uh, what kind of movements do they make or are they good in the air or how tall, what, what preferred foot do they have or which better which center half is better on the ball so those kind of information you know that kind of information is you know really good for me and um and obviously do they you know can you spin them in behind or get the ball to feet or do they let you turn or you know all those little fine details you know are are a big factor and it definitely helps you prepare for these games uh to best as possible and yes it's it's going to be you know a good test for us yeah, interesting stuff, Patrick, on exactly as a striker what he's looking to do and just different aspects of his game that he feels can help in these Europa League and Champions League matches, so movement and stuff like that. So really an interesting insight into life of a European striker. Patrick, the club made it to the Europa League group stages back in 2016. An unbelievable run, covered lots of the games and just, you know, incredible stuff. Shamrock Rovers did it back in 2011 as well. You weren't at the club in 2016 when Dundalk made it to the group stages. Have you allowed yourself to dream of what it might be like playing for Dundalk in the actual Europa League? Of course, you need to get through this round against Lovar and Bratislava and then a Europa League group stage playoff. So four games to go if you can get there. But have you allowed yourself to think about it at all just yet? Yeah, it would definitely be a dream to play in the Europa group stages. Um, you know, the lads have always expressed how um, exciting it was um, playing week in, week out against such high um, quality opposition. And, you know, to be fair, you know, they, I thought they held them held themselves very well against, you know, tough opposition and, you know, you know, results probably didn't go their way. You know, they could have been, you know, a bit unfortunate not to actually come out of the group and, um, you know, it's definitely an aim for for myself and everyone at the club um, that they want, that we want to uh, achieve this goal, um, but it's not going to be easy. We're against a very high quality opposition again and, you know, you have to, you do have to take a game as it comes and, just hopefully we come out with a positive result on uh, on Wednesday or um, against such a high quality side, and hopefully we can bring a uh, positive result home and keep the dream alive. And yeah, just looking forward to it. Just it would be a great feeling to obviously uh, play in Europa group stages, and you know we're halfway there. Please, please, please let Dundalk qualify for the Europa League. It would be an unbelievable achievement again and a great uh, month or six weeks or eight weeks for Irish football too, going to support and cheer Dundalk on in Europe. Patrick, finally, you're Dundalk's all-time leading goal scorer and, you know, have been a key man in, in the last couple of seasons since you rejoined the club and you haven't agreed a new contract yet. Your contract expires at the end of the season. I think you did an interview recently where you were you were talking about, you know, some of the reasons as to why maybe the contract hasn't been signed and your agent's involvement in it. What's the latest on that too? And I'm sure every Dundalk fan will want to know if you're going to be at the club next season and, and I'm sure maybe you hope to be there yourself, but that contract hasn't been signed just yet. Is there any reason why? Yeah, you know, being captain for... You know this this squad of players for for Europe has been exciting. Um, you know I'm very proud to be representing uh, these players and wearing the captain armband, going out onto the pitch against such high quality sides. And 
you know, it's a proud moment for me every time I go out there leading the team out and, you know, you know, I'm not just representing myself or Dundalk or the players, I'm representing my family, my friends and, you know, my county, my country. So it's always a great feeling um, representing this club in Europe. Um, uh, regarding to my deal, you know, I just, to be honest, I'm just concentrating on, you know, European football and just my full concentration is on that. I just want to do so well in Europe and hopefully push the team as much as possible and hopefully, you know, aim to, you know, that Europa group stages because it's stuff of dreams and it's everyone everyone wants to be there and I'm no different and, you know, um, I just want to concentrate on Europe and see how things go and, you know, hopefully, hopefully um, we get to where we want to be and it's so exciting times ahead for us. Yeah, a politician's answer there, Patrick Cuban, on his contract situation, but I would expect that to be sorted hopefully quite soon and hopefully for everybody at Dundalk and for Patrick maybe that he will be back at the club scoring goals for them again for the next couple of seasons. Patrick Cuban, thanks a minute for your time. Enjoy the next uh, couple of days and build up to this game against Slovan and Bratislava. Uh, have a good trip over there and we'll see you for the second leg. Thanks a million. Best of luck. Cheers. Thank you for having me. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Yeah, that is the Dundalk striker Patrick Huben speaking to us on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. It is Dundalk against Slovar and Bratislava from Slovakia at 7.15 on Wednesday evening. The game is live on Air Sport. And to continue our theme on Europe with the FAI Cup also in mind and the possible All-Ireland League, I'm very happy to welcome a League of Ireland legend to the show who joins us on the phone. Declan Fabio O'Brien joins us. Fabio, how are you, sir? How are you, Jamie? Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. Now, former Drada Dundalk, St. Pat's, Valletta in Malta, Monaghan, Glenavon, Carrick Rangers, and most recently, Verona player manager. And he's won the FAI Cup, he scored goals in Europe, and he's played so many games in the league and uh, one of the top pundits around at the moment. So, Fabio, we'll focus on Europe first and Dundalk in Europa League action. We're speaking on Wednesday afternoon. It's a 7 15 kickoff in Slovakia against Slovan Bratislava in the Europa League third qualifying round, first leg. And uh, we spoke to Patrick Huben on, on this week's podcast as well, and they're really looking forward to the game having been knocked out of the Champions League and, and hopefully that they can uh, have a good away performance to bring back to Oriel Park next Tuesday Yeah Jamie uh, it's exciting times for the Dock I think the Europa game is more is more winnable for them I think uh, the Champions League game against Kukwarabag was a very difficult ask against a top top side who pumped a lot of, a lot of cash into the team and bank on getting um, into the group stage of the Champions League and, and that's where all the money is, is invested into and if I'm honest, I didn't really give them a chance last week in, in, the, away, in the away leg after a senior quarterback at home. So this is, yeah, a huge chance. Slo- Slovakian champions for good reason. They're a very good side, but I genuinely think this is this is a team that the dog could go there and get a good result and make a really, really good toy at home. And uh, just, just to stay in the game, I think an away goal, a draw... A nil-all, anything like that, even a one-all, something like that, would be absolutely fantastic for, for the league, for the dog. And I genuinely think they've a, they've a real live chance of going through in this one. Yeah, and we were hopeful, Fabio, that we'd be speaking as well about Shamrock Rovers. And unfortunately, they just about lost out last week. And, you know, we've had the other two clubs in Pats and Cork beating in the first qualifying round of the Europa League so Dundalk our only club left in Europe and we're very very hopeful from a league point of view that their European story can continue but these away matches as they've seen last week in Carabag are so so I suppose much more difficult than the home ones what do you expect from, from their game tonight and I'm sure they just wanted to try and have something to play for back in Ireland next Tuesday and the game of course is in Tallis Stadium not in Oriel Yeah look these games away Dundalk have the players that should be used to it. 
they were used to the game in Quarabag, but the only problem was that they, they, the opposition were just too good, too technical. They couldn't get out. If you look at the dog team, a very, very good team. You know, you, you get Chris Shields, all these boys. Have, you know, lots and lots of European experience. Brian Gartland, all these lads, Gary Rogers. And they couldn't get out of the half at times against Quarabag. That is the quality you're up against. Like, similar teams have played against in Europe with Sovetov and in Russia, Steo Bucharest, Romania. Very, very similar opposition. You know what you get. They're so technical on the ball and so physically strong. And they literally don't let you get the ball long enough to create any patterns of play. And it's very, very difficult. Taking in the elements, the heat at night, very, very difficult. The humidity, we etc. We, we know all this. The dark know all this. So they're going out there with a very good manager who has worked under Stephen for so long, knows the gig, knows the players inside out. And I genuinely think... As I said, I'm very hopeful. I wasn't hopeful against Quarabag. I'm very hopeful at this guy that we can give the league a real, real boost and really exciting, to, um, exciting run like your Shamrock Rovers of a few years ago under Michael O'Neill and even Dundalk in, in past seasons as well who have had some huge, huge wins in Europe. And just to give, as I said, that, that little boost to the league, which is always needed. Yeah, and Fabio, of course, has scored goals in Europe for St. Pat's in 2009 in uh, Europa League qualifiers against Valletta from Malta. He scored in that leg. And then in the second leg, he scored against a team called, or in the second round, sorry, a team called the FC Kirillia Sovetov Samara from Russia. Um, European goals, Fabio. How hard are they to come by? And someone like Patrick Huben, you've got to like to Jamie McGrath, McElhenney, Duffy, you know, you know, I suppose the list of Dundalk attackers goes on, but to score goals in Europe, how difficult actually is it? Because it is fair to say the teams you're playing against, the defences, the goalkeepers, the organisation, it is a step up from what they'd face here. Exactly. Look, you have to really work for your goals. Your movement has to be spot on as a striker. Your deliveries have to be very good from your, your set piece or your wingers and Everything has to come off and, you know, you need that slice of luck, which in any level of football is, is very important. You need a little bit of luck and it might take a really standout performance from your goalkeeper away from home, which Gary Rogers has done already. Um, in the penalty shootout, it was heroics um, himself and Sean Hart are was fantastic. And they need them type of performances and huge uh, people to stand up and show what they're capable of against these top sides, show their fitness levels are up to scratch. And all this conditioning that we talk about, all these fitness coaches and strength and conditioning guys that have come into the league in the last five, six years, it's, it's all very well saying I'm pumping a bit of cash into it here and there. But these are the games where you show what you've, what you've been doing outside of the, of the, the, the training, I suppose, uh, all the extras, all your uh, core stuff, all your um, stuff when, when nobody's watching. And, and, and that's, that's what this dog team have done. They've, I think they've changed sort of, they've upped the stakes for other teams and they've been the yardstick for the fitness level of teams to be at and that's why I see them with a really live chance of progressing. Now here's a good European story. After Fabio scored those four European goals, two in the round against Valletta from Malta and two against a team from Russia, you actually signed for the team in Malta in 2009. Valletta, Fabio, and I've you know, listened to you on, on different shows and stuff over the last few years. I never really heard the full story. How did that move actually happen? Because we see League of Ireland players going to America and England and maybe Holland, but I'm sure you have to be the only League of Ireland player to have ever played in Malta. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was the first uh, Irish player to go over. Um, it actually happened. The Yordi Cruyff was the player manager for Valletta at the time, so he played against us in, the, in both ties as, as a sort of a makeshift sweeper, if you like, and uh, he, he was still, you know, uh, as you'd expect, a high-quality player, but in a, in a different position than we'd, we'd known from. But um, long story short, 
he got on to I had an agent at the time. Uh, the club got on to my agent, uh, etc. Uh, I had a deal done with Paul Pesca Salido at the time, who was a manager of Burton, if you remember. Yes. A friend of Jeff Kenna's, yeah. So, through Jeff, that move was sorted for me um, as regards that, that that was where I thought my next destination was, and I was due to go over and sign for Paul. And uh, between the jigs and the reels, I eventually uh, decided to meet Yardy and the president of the club over in Malta, just for more of a curiosity thing, to be honest. I hadn't played abroad like that. I was thinking it might be something I'd be interested in. I went over and met them and literally made up my mind after meeting Yardy. And, you know, obviously starstruck a bit. You know, you're sitting there with Yardy Cruyff and he's, and he's, you know, he's promising you, you know, that you're, you know, you're going to be a big part of the, the, the plans over there, which is something I didn't really realise how big the football is in Monica and how big the team Valletta in particular, the capital is. And it was just a new lifestyle, new challenge. And, you know, I loved that. and I didn't regret any of it. And I, I think um, I was 29 at the time, so it was not as if I was going to make a huge career in England at the time because of my age. So I genuinely thought that was the best best thing. And as I said, I, I still go over to Malta quite regularly and it's something that um, I'm, I'm delighted I did. Is it something more League of Ireland players should think about? And, you know, people talking at the moment about Jack Byrne and how good he's been. And, you know, his, his probably best spell in professional football away from Ireland was actually in Holland. Um, we've seen the likes of this week, Graham Burke, an unbelievably talented player who scored a senior goal for Ireland, coming back on loan from Preston, having had a loan in the lower leagues and so on. And there's so many players who've gone away and some doing great, others doing not so great. But away from England or Scotland, not too many players move anywhere else. And I'm not sure if, if, if agents have contacts or if clubs have contacts or if clubs from those areas are watching our clubs. Clearly your, your goals in Europe against that team made a massive difference to your move. But is it something that our players and our clubs should be looking at a little bit more? Yeah, I think so. I think it's down to the agents, I suppose, that people are using. Usually, uh, players over here will have a select amount of agents through through a certain network, and that will sort of pigeonhole them into certain moves, I suppose. But for myself, I, I had a UK agent, actually, it was Dave Rogers' agent at the time. He's, he's from Liverpool, and he had connections all over Holland. All And obviously, that's where the Yardy connection came in, and... Through, through that, that's how my mill came about. So yeah, I do, I do think you should broaden your horizons a bit and not just look to uh, the agent everybody else is using. And it certainly um, works sometimes for you. And you know, everything's a gamble at times with, with mills. But you just hope that. Um, I, I certainly think that the UK and uh, maybe maybe Holland does seem to be the only option for the, for, for people over here um, to, to get a, get away. But there's so much more going on in Russia and. What a great news in Cyprus and, and the likes that uh, are available to players if they if they if they use the contacts a bit bit, bit wider. Fabio FEI Cup first round weekend this weekend games Friday Saturday and Sunday. I was on Twitter during the week and I had uh, Keith Buckley from Bowes and Carl Moore fr- from Shells on as well. And I just love the first round of the FEI Cup. You have games like Bowes against Shells, which is just like a proper Dublin derby. You have Cove, yeah. a first division team facing Dundalk. You have some Premier clashes. You have some Premier first division against non-league. Then you have non-league against non-league as well. And you've been involved, of course, in, in Verona too. How would you just, you know, given you played in all these levels and you won the cup with Drogs in 2005, describe FEI Cup first round weekend? and the trills and spills and expectation of everybody involved? Yeah, I suppose for the lower teams, the first round is probably the most exciting because you've thrown a ball sort of toys and, and it's, it's new to them. They're playing against players, better players, more fitness levels are huge, a huge difference. So it's great for the for younger players especially and to see what it's all about and get a little taste out of FEI Cup action because 
it's such a big competition and when you get into the latter rounds you really realise the romance of the cup and, and what it means to people and it's you certainly they don't come by easy and they're very hard to win and I've lost finals I've won, I've won a final so I know exactly yeah, it, what, what they mean and how hard it can be to lose a semi-final even I've lost after a replay long for the remember years ago as well and how gutting that could be and you really do get a, a sample of, of what it means to, to every club and every player. You've seen how Pat celebrated after 50-odd years of winning one a couple of years ago, which was fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I just think one of, one of uh, many good memories was, was definitely winning the FAI Cup in 2005 as a captain as well. So it was um, great memories that I'll have with me. Fabio, lastly, the debate has been raging over the last number of weeks and months about the future of the league, whether it will be an all-Ireland, Ireland league with the North and the South. And I know someone of you would be uh, quite close with is Kieran Lucid, who presented to all of the clubs about his idea. We have the Niall Quinn visionary group as well, who who, who want the league to stay as, a, as a, you know, a league only in the South, but they see improvements too. You've played up North with... Glenavon for a spell towards the end of your career and lost of a career down south as well and you know Kieran Lucid quite well what have you made of, of the debate over the last couple of months and where would you like to see the league go with clubs making decisions quite imminently yeah I think the, the league needs something it needs an injection of money for a start it needs investment from in different, different quarters I think we can't sustain clubs can't sustain the way things are going and they won't be able to I don't think Maybe the top three or four clubs can do it, but they can't keep fundraising. They can't keep bringing up this money to Rob Peter to pay Paul type of type of scenarios where they're just about getting by and it's causing huge stress stress to people in clubs, directors, and um, you know the league is getting bad press for not payments of players. So I think the way it's going now, it's on a collision course, fast, and I, I genuinely don't like the outcome. So I genuinely think. When we really explore the avenues of what we need, I genuinely think we don't really have a choice. We need to change the current regime of how things are going. As a business model, it's just not viable. And, you know, Kieran's plan, who I know obviously very well, I was up in Glentoran during the week doing a preview. He just wants a few uh, previews done of, of clubs up, up, up north just to get a taste. And maybe for, uh, in his next presentation, he'll probably show a few of these presentations of of the league up there and, and huge game, big games up there like the Linfield game next week will be huge and just to get a, a sample of the atmosphere up there as well and what could be every week or every second week could be huge games and you know I suppose the, the profile of the league needs a massive massive boost and at the minute I just think facilities everything else will improve with all these bigger bigger toys every weekend and you know for me, the dream would be to be going to these big games on a Saturday at 3 or 5 o'clock, let's say travelling up to Windsor, you know, with a Bohemians team or a, a good uh, Shamrock Rovers team going up. And, you know, what a fantastic day on TV, the whole lot. And I just think the way it is now, you know, it's just it's getting stale, staler and staler by the, by the year, even though, you know, you have some great highlights with the likes of the Dock showing, showing some great qualities in Europe every year and Shamrock Rovers doing reasonably well last week. So it's it's disappointing that it's come to this, but I genuinely think we have no option. And I think the other side of it is that with, with Noel Quinn as well, I, I genuinely think there's a lot a lot of stuff that he said can be used in a plan maybe with, with Kieran. People like them are innovative innovators of, of, of business entrepreneurial 
and I think that their ideas should definitely be merged together in some way to make to make the league what we want it to be. Yeah, Fabio, just lastly, we've got 90 seconds left briefly, if you can, and I would love to see the Lucid and Quinn groups together, certainly. What sort of vibe did you get off the people in Glentoran? I spoke to a couple of Glentoran players recently, and they seem to, to, to like the idea. We've had so many Irish clubs and Irish spokespeople and Irish pundits speaking about what they thought of an All-Ireland League. What was the reaction up north? I was blown away by the positive reaction. I expected it to be a little, a little bit wary of of anything from the, uh, the south just because they, they didn't really know too much but they seemed to do their homework on on, on uh, Mick McDermott the new gaffer and Paul Miller the chairman they knew everything about the, uh, the presentation they knew they asked lots of questions there all of them were answered as they said to me they were highly impressed by Kieran and, and, and the proposal and some of the uh, Noel Queen's visionary group uh, um, ideas as well so it really did shock me to be honest that the clubs up there are similar here. They're really, really open to it, and more so than I thought. And it, 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 it's exciting because I genuinely think it's gaining serious traction at the minute. Great stuff, Fabio. Thanks a million. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the FA Cup. We'll see you soon. Cheers. All right, Jamie. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. It's the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore here. Now, the Extra.ie FA Cup first round kicks off this weekend with some brilliant games. The pick of the ties involves two of the biggest clubs in Dublin and it takes place uh, this Friday evening. Dalyman Park, 7.45. It's Bohemians against Shelburne. We're going to be joined by Keith Buckley and Carl Moore in just a second. The draw in full. The game's taking place on Friday. Cove Wanderers against Limerick and St. Comas Park. That's at 7. That Bow Shells game in Daily Mount at 7.30. There's actually four games in Dublin uh, this Friday night. Cabinteely against Cork and Stradbrook. It's Derry against Wexford in the Ryan McBride Stadium. Draw to Avondale. Pats against Bray. Glebe North against Sligo Rovers. And Shamrock Rovers, Finn Harps. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. On Sunday, St. Michael's against Glenglad United. That's in Cook Park. Crumlin against Malahide in Captain's Road and Crumlin at 6. Cove Ramblers against Dundalk in a repeat of last year's EA Sports Cup semi-finals in Coleman's Park at 7. And Longford at Lone in the Midlands El Clasico in City Calling Stadium at half 7. And the first round concludes on Sunday. It's Luke United against Colester Dunny Carney. That's in Selbridge at 11 o'clock. Collinstown against Galway and Home Farm in Whitehall at 2. UCD against Letterkenny in the UCD Bowl also at 2. And Manute University Town against Waterford in Rathcoffey Road in Manute. That game is at 3 o'clock. And I love this time of the FAI Cup because you get some great games like Shells against Bowes and you get some league teams against non-league teams as well and I can't wait to be uh, watching the games this weekend so Keith is in studio Buckle how are you sir? Not too bad you Jamie? Great stuff thanks for coming in and Carl Moore's on the phone Moore's a break from workhouse things? Yeah not bad Thanks for uh, taking the time the two of you and Keith is here of course Uh, he was speaking this week and today at the launch of the hashtag This Is My Dublin campaign promoting Dublin City Sports Fest 2019 Sports Fest is a week long celebration of sport and physical activity from 23 to 29 of September everyone encouraged to participate regardless of age ability or background more info on dublincity.ie forward slash sports fest so Keith the hashtag is This Is My Dublin Uh, you're from just down the road from us here in uh, Rings End type of area on Pear Street and you were playing football around the flat from a very young age I was indeed, yeah. That's that's what local people do, normal people do. In from the inner city, from all inner city parts, you know, north side, south side. That's what everyone does when you grow up. And you were back in the flat earlier on today, taking some photos and stuff. I know you still live in the area, but is is it weird to be kind of thinking back to when you played football as a young fella down there? Yeah, it's it's a bit different now. It's a natural turf pitch now. It used to be just tarmac, you know. So it used to be just just the ground, normal ground, but it's a natural turf now, and there's good goals in and all. So it's it's like a top class stadium now compared to what it was. 
what were those days like as a kid playing on the concrete and, and the young kids with the older kids and really no holds barred, almost like prison rules? Yeah, no, it used to be good. Like with, with Dublin City, that used to be a tournament as well, which involved in least Wall, Sheriff Street, um, Rings End, um, Pear Street and stuff. like So there used to be teams from each one. Like, so they were tasty affairs, you know. Like you used to play tournaments. One tournament would be in... In um in the Percy Flats, they won't be over in Sheriff at the Whitehall and so and so like but it was a uh, tastier first they were. When did you start to realise when you were a kid playing football in town that you were a real real you know person that loved to compete because you still now love to compete on the pitch and what age were you playing in town when you first thought God I actually like this? Um I don't know I can't really remember exact age that I was um playing football you know but I'm sure he was maybe 4 or 5 you know I played I played GAA Gaelic until I was 14 with Clannagh Gael as well you know I used to be involved in all sports here's something I didn't know and we had uh, Mark Quigley and Stephen Marion on the podcast a few weeks ago and they're both still involved in Sheriff and they were saying the same thing and Mark was saying some of the people he would have played with but back when he was a kid are either dead or locked up or, or not playing football at all as well and, and you know you've come from an area where, where you know football was so important to young people yeah, it's good, you know, and they're only um <clears throat> recently you've probably seen online the Homeless World Cup. Um he um he put a played in that but at one time to have a friend now, basically Dean Fitzpatrick, like he actually um you know, basically it is from people kinda of coming back off different paths and using football as a tool to get away from things and he went over and he was a part of that team, Dean Fitzpatrick and he was um and he won it, you know, and there's a family friend basically who worked with the FEO through that it was Graham Tugger. He basically runs that as well, along with Thomas Morgan and stuff like that. Um, and they, they um, every year go away and stuff, and they've done well. They won the one recently enough, you know, and I used to play every Saturday morning. Graham organises games in the flats, and I used to always go down and play seven sides after the game Friday night and go down and have a little dosser about. But um, I can't do it too much now because we train a lot. Like, so. But I go down the off-season just to keep fit and taking over, you know. Yeah, the Homeless Street Leagues on Twitter is the place to see more. We actually discussed it on the show, the sports show on 98 on Sunday as well. An unbelievable achievement for, for the lads to go and do that. Morris, you're on the line as well. You're not an ambassador for the hashtag This Is My Dublin, but just want to ask yourself, um, playing football in Dublin growing up, what do you remember about those great days? Yeah, um, I was lucky enough uh, where I grew up. We had loads of kind of quiet spots. We could go and kick a ball around. So we had a green across the road. We had a skill with gates and... We just kind of made the most of what was there, and uh, yeah, you know that's all we used to do growing up was kick a ball till uh, the person who won the ball was uh, hooked in by their man, and then that was it, game over. So. Where in Dublin were you as a kid, Mersey, when you started to play football? I grew up in our town, so um, just in the housing estate there. So we had a uh, we loved the kind of little cul-de-sacs and um, a little bit of a green area, you know, to play football, and then uh, got involved in the St Kevin's mini leagues. They used to run a mini league for kids who weren't quite ready for under eight and stuff like that so I think I, I went up there to about four or five and started kicking ball and uh, yeah it just kind of went from there Yeah it seemed as if you know we all felt Dublin was a much safer place to go and play football on the street back in those days as well and you know some kids are still playing football every day you know around, around Dublin and around Ireland others aren't too but you know I'm sure you have fantastic memories of just heading out I mean we had uh, the lads on from Jumpers for Goalpost a few weeks ago and they're a crowd of elder fellas older fellas who are just you know playing football kicking the ball and that's something that you know we all did and, and all you guys did who are now playing in the league you were just like any other kid playing football on the road playing squares playing curbs playing heads and volleys whatever it might be that's it, yeah. It used to be great. It used to be a gang of us. Um, you know, just used to knock for each other and get us, out, get us out there and get a game of World Cup or heads and volleys or wall call or whatever it was, like, you know, just to keep us busy. And, you know, until kind of the streetlights came on and your ma was calling you in. But, um, yeah, it was great. And we used to have a, there was an 11 side pitch behind us. And uh, 
used to go on in Saturday, Sunday morning if there was a game on. Used to hang around for half time just to get a shot at the net for ten minutes. Like, but uh, I suppose it's, it's a bit sad you don't really see that anymore. Like with all the kids playing the computer games, you know. But hopefully, um, the campaign like Bucko's getting involved with there. Hopefully that you know can have a bit of renaissance and, and get the kids out playing ball again. Yeah, and speaking of playing ball as well, we can't wait for Friday seven forty-five. Bowls against Shells in the FAI Cup. Carl, for you first, you're a former. Bohemians player as well and, and, and there's so many sides to this game in terms of like Ian Morris the Shells manager was playing for Bowles up to last season scored an unbelievable goal in this competition in the semi-final mm-hmm. against Cork probably you know the best goal scored in the league last season as well there's a number of ex-Bowles players playing for Shells there's some ex-Shells players playing for Bowles we have the story of the ground chair coming up I think Keith himself would have been a, a Shells man growing up so there's so many little stories to this game and when it came out of the hat what was your, your first thoughts on, on facing your old team? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were all at training when the draw was made and, you know, we just all had a chuckle saying, like, I had just, you know, it had to be that draw, like, you know, but uh, certainly it's the biggest toy around anyway and, you know, it, it'd be interesting with so many ex-players and stuff being involved and um, then obviously you have, um, like, historically early noughties and stuff, balls and shells were going out of hammer and tongs at the top of the league for honours and um, obviously with the ground share, the locality, about being from the north side, you know, and, you know, there hasn't been too many ball shells games in recent years, you know, so it'd be a good one to be involved in and, and you know, I'm sure everybody's looking forward to it. Keith, your own thoughts on it when you, you heard the draw? Um, <clears throat> you know, we were out um, trying as guys and then Derek, Derek wasn't trying at the moment, Derek, Pendelic at the moment, the next we were from where Blanche is, you know, far it is, and then you could just hear him shouting from, he was, we are on the pitch and you could hear him screaming, we've got shells, we've got shells, so he like just sums up the excitement, you know, and he was like, well, definitely going to make sure we go and hammer days, he says, you know. But now it's, uh, it's a great draw, as you said, so many people tied to it in different ways, like, but um, it's going to be tough, like, because of how well they've done the league, that it may minor slip up in the weekend, but I think they've got players in the league, have won a counter bonus, won the cup, I think killed off maybe, have won, they've definitely won leagues, they've got good experience, you know, but as I said, it's going to be, uh, it's a good game, good tasty affair as well, like. Yeah, I'm sure, Carl, from Shell's point of view as well. Like I saw you guys playing recently against Wexford, and I think you were three up after about 25 minutes. They got a couple of goals back, and and I think and five two in the end. And um, you know, your squad is full of players who should be playing in the Premier Division and probably will be playing in the Premier Division next season. So for you guys, when you are coming to the cup and you are playing another team in the Premier, it probably won't feel like ma- like a massive step up, given that your squad is full of what I would consider to be Premier Division players. Yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting game um, with with a lot of players who have that experience um, it'd be interesting to kind of see where we're at given you know how well Bowles are doing this year in the league um, and competing for the European spots like you know so it'd be a good test for us um, going into the game I'd say we'd be going in as underdogs but um, you know it'd be a good test kind of to see where we are because ideally we do want to play in the Premier Division next year so you know it'd be, it'd be a good asset test kind of see where we're at yeah, you're going in as underdogs, Carl, but you're going in, barred the defeat to Cove, which Keith mentioned. I think that was your first defeat in something like 12 games, 11 wins and a draw too. And you've had a really, really good defensive record and clearly, you know, winning games to be at the top of the first division as well. And, you know, that momentum is something that you probably can't put a price on given how well it's gone for you, albeit against mainly first division teams, it has to be said. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously it's, it's good to, to get on a good run. Um, we had a, a small blip there the other day, like so hopefully... You know, that's all it is. And, you know, we can take the confidence going into the game and, and you know, hopefully we can give a good account of ourselves um, and, and you know, and uh, give balls a good game. 
Yeah, and I mentioned there's so many Expos people in the Shells team, none more so than Ian Morris, the manager, and Dave Henderson, who I think is head of football affairs. I'm not sure of his exact title too, but up until last season, like the last time Bowes were preparing for a cup match in the FAI Cup, Ian Morris would have been playing for Bowes under Keith Long and Trevor Crawley and so on. And, you know, it's a very similar Bowes squad as well. So he knows how Keith prepares. He knows, you know, how Bowes, I'm sure, will prepare and maybe how they'll play. Is that a massive advantage? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, obviously, they've, they've got some different personnel in and, um, you know, they're, they're, with the size of their squad, kind of, they're, they're chopping and changing week from week, um, you know, and it doesn't really matter who comes in, you know, they're doing well, they're getting results and they're staying up near the top of the league in, in, in the hunt for the European places. So, um, you know, things change, football changes and, um, you know, there's different personnel there, but it might be a small advantage, kind of, to know um like a little bit of inside operation, but uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it, it, we'll just see how it goes. And I suppose, Keith, if things turn the other way, Ian Morris was your teammate last season and for the previous couple of seasons, and now you're playing against him as a Shells manager too. So I'm sure that must be a little strange when you heard that that he got the Shells job. But he's done so well, and again, Carl said maybe some inside knowledge from from him to you guys, but the same the other way around a little bit, maybe. Yeah, well, we always knew we always knew that um, Morrow would eventually go on and be a coach or be a manager. You know, you can just tell by training with him and stuff and how he prepares stuff you know you know, we could tell he was eventually going to be a manager or a coach yeah but I've never seen him as a coach and stuff I, don't, I haven't seen the much Shells games or how they play and all like but he might look at us and know think that he knows say like how this person plays their strengths and qualities but at the end of the day it's down that down on that day then you know but your personal battles then will win the game like you know yeah and of course the last time this team was in the cup key to semi-finals and and the games against Cork, Dean Morris goal, the famous incident at Daily Man with the Penno and, and you know, so close in FAI Cup final too. Yeah, I don't really like talking about that too much, you know, because of how close we did get. Um look, we want to obviously just go one step forward and if we can make the final we can, but we have to just take shells. It's the first round of the cup, like, you know, like we have to get past this fourth before we think of anything else. You know, it's huge. I can't remember the last time Bows and Shells met in the first round. You know, it's as you said earlier, as Two, two biggest um, teams in Dublin as you said you know like and just uh, because of how well Shells are doing and all the links it's it brings a closer kind of um, interest from what outside I'd say as well you know you have to say Shamrock Rovers and Pat will be uh, offended by that but yeah four, two of the four biggest clubs in Dublin they were your words too. Yeah. sorry my words apologies yeah we'll play the tape back but yeah, you're very right though. I trust you um, that game last year though the games against Cork and, and you know how good they were and, and you know the taste of how close you could get to the Viva will Keith and Trevor use that will they mention it will they mention the heartbreak of last year in a bid to add any extra any extra motivation to this year um, well I know I'll use it myself personally um, to, to try and motivate myself you know there's a lot of new faces coming in we've lost a lot of players so a lot of them players now you go through the starting 11 let's say you have James and Goal Finnerty you have Levinson has been playing a lot but Danny Mandrew Luke Slater and stuff they they weren't there so that's I, I personally will use that as motivation to try and get that one step forward and know how that felt when we got beaten you know um, with them lads they have their own motivation and stuff and I'm not sure what way Keith and Trevor will look at it but that's the way I would look at things you know because you need to get that one step forward and Carl as well like it's amazing to think this, the first division Shelburne have four league games left and you're only going into the first round of the cup which makes like no sense to me and I'm trying to work it out you guys more than likely won't be in the playoffs if you go up automatically so your last league game will be in four or five weeks time the cup final is not till the first weekend in November I know that's a long way away yet but it seems strange to think that you're starting a cup campaign and your league season is like just about over Yeah it's, it's a strange kind of layout but you know I think the FAI have done that to accommodate the European teams um, 
But I mean, in terms of November, you know, we're, we're looking out for it on Friday. To be honest, it'll be a very tough game. So uh, it'd be stupid of us to, to do that. So we, we're focused on the cup this week and then we'll take the league as it comes as well. But uh, yeah, no, certainly it's strange to be starting at this late. And I mentioned the form as well, Carl, and the 1-0 defeat to Cove on Saturday was, was a surprise to some, certainly. And with the four games left, your next three after the Cup are against Longford, Bray and Drod, who are all trying to chase the playoffs and the top itself. So with this Bowes game, you know, in the middle of an important run in the league, it's certainly a crucial period for Shells. And I'm sure you guys really feel that, given the league isn't, isn't done just yet and, and, you know, some of the other top teams to play coming up after Bowes. Yeah, no, look, the league isn't done. Um, but, you know, it's just down to us to stay focused on what we need to do. So... We we'll just take each game as it comes. I know it's a cliche, but that's all we can do. Like you know, um, it's in our hands. So you know, we just need to look after ourselves, and that's it. And Keith, the same for Bowes on the end of a one-nil yourselves at the weekend. An unbelievable goal for for Finn Harps. You're still fourth in the league, forty-six points, which is a brilliant return and level with Derry, six ahead of Pats with eight games left. So Europe is on the horizon as well as the cup. Yeah, you know, as you said, like <clears throat> as the way Carl's talking there, you can't just look beyond this game. You know, like. There's other ways, avenues as well. People can look. I can get into Europe. Like Shelbourne can win the FA Cup. I'm not sure. Do they get into Europe then after that? Yeah, they do. Yeah, you know, get in, yeah. like you can look at other avenues. Top three for someone in that top three wins the cup four days and stuff like. So you, you just got to look at this game first. But yeah, European is obviously on the on, on my agenda and the whole team's agenda. And that's what we need to get. That's what we need to be striving for every year now from going on. You know. And I'm right in saying Derek Pender suspended, so you'll be captain on Friday. Is that right? If well, you picked your course. Yeah, if I'm picked, if I'm fit, because obviously I missed the last game, so um. I don't know what will happen like because um fifty fifty at the moment like but yeah if I, if I'm playing and if I'm picked yeah I hope I'll be captain and vice captain so that would be huge like every time I captain the club I talk to you before off about how proud I am you know like to think that I can captain the club like balls as big as balls like so hoping now um. I can captain to a winning winning uh, game if I play, you know. Yeah, I'm going to put the phone on back up for Carter because you might laugh at the next bit. Uh, the, one of the first times you captain Bowles was in the UCD Bowl, Keith, and there's a, a famous photo online of you with nothing on at all, bar the captain's armband, and uh, trying to tell your captain Derek Pender that you're not giving his armband back, and you had no clothes on, so I'm sure he just left you to it. Well, the only thing I think about that is what is Wardy doing taking pictures of me? <laughs> but like that, you know, Mosey knows Wardy, you know, he's like so. It wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't yeah. surprise him, but now like um. <laughs> I, like I was in the showers and all, and sometimes like you know I forget like even the last time I captained them um, against Pats, I was getting changed, and I just do forget like you know take because you're so used to obviously someone else being captain whatever and taking me clothes up and still again, I was there in my arm. I, you just do forget you know like because me personally I'm like I play no matter what if I'm captain if I'm on the bench if I'm coming on or if I start I play the exact same way you know just because you've an arm man that everyone's got a role you know. But obviously that's the way I play and I just thought I was just focused thinking just because you're an airman you don't play differently you just play your own game and hope to improve the team you know And Morsey when you uh, saw that photo taken by Keith Ward of Keith Buckley fully in the nip with the captain's armband on I'm sure you weren't surprised given that you're a former Bowes man and had been around these type of antics for years I look great on fairness so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah no not surprised that Wardy fella he's a character alright and yeah, like again, there's so many players between these two teams who are mates and stuff, and, and you know you've shared so many funny experiences and trips away and stuff, and nights out as well as the football too. Like Carl to be playing against Keith and vice versa when you've been teammates for so long, and there's so many people like that. It's it's a weird one, but a nice one, I'm sure. Ah yeah, like you know my time at Bowes was a great dressing room, some great lads there, and you know it, it's a great club, and you know our shells now we've a great dressing room as well with some great lads. So um, you know obviously the change room and all. Um, it's got a bit of crack but I suppose like you know when you're on the pitch um, you just have to be professional and you know friendships aside and just get on with the job at hand and you know shake hands after and get on with it 
Any stories, Keith, of, uh, of fun with Morsey or others? No, no, but as you said there about friendships aside, whatever, whether you're in the same team or you're training with them, I'm sure Morsey knows, like, when we're training, even if you're playing the same team, like, you know, you got to give 100%, like, and he's probably seeing some arguments and fights and stuff, and um, seeing a little argument I had out in Bray, didn't you, Morsey, me and um, uh, Bisto, yeah. a little argument yeah, you had, because, yeah, like, yeah. I give everything no matter what I do, like, and I'm sure they, they're the same, you know, in training, like, you know, you got to, whether you're training your team, you got you're fighting for a place, like so you have to fight, like literally you gotta you gotta pour everything in, and that means that two people are coming together and a collision and it's bad, you know. But at the end of the day, it's for the benefit of the team. That no one's going out to hurt anybody, but you're just giving everything you got, like you know. That's our last two points because I want to let Carl go back to work and keep it off to, to head off to training as well. I mentioned in the introduction about you know what's on the horizon for bows and shells and the ground share and daily amount and you know we're not exactly sure where it is at the moment with the the land behind the goal with Tesco and and you know there might have to be you know a small redesign of plans and I noticed Carlin talk last week there seems to be a little bit of jobs done in terms of just a little bit of painting and you know simple things to try and improve that ground but as a former bows player and now a shells one Carl what's your thoughts on on this ground share which I personally hope will happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a positive move. Like, you know, obviously Daily Mount being the home of football, historically in Ireland, you know, it would be great to have it redeveloped and, you know, just pushing forward for the future, you know, modernising the game as a whole. Like, so, you know, it would be, be great to have uh, Daily Mount redeveloped and, and you know, and, and a, a good ground for two very good clubs. And Keith, yourself, do you uh, share with Shells? You were a Shells fan growing up. You used to go to talk and you're so used to now playing in Daily Mount too. And, I'm not sure if you know you know exactly where it is on the timeline, but just your thoughts on that eventually happening. And this game, if it was in four or five years' time, it wouldn't be home. It'd be home game for both, should I say? Yeah, that would be. <clears throat> it'd be interesting. I'm not sure whether it was a there's a home share like like this again before in Ireland. I'm not sure, but it, me personally, if I vote the choice, I'd keep Daily Mount and Shelburne separate. They're two separate clubs, two different identities. They bring them together, maybe like better for the area and stuff like that for clubs but I'd rather see Daily Mount redevelop as a solo and then also the Shells like, you know, because the history in both of them things but definitely in Daily Mount the history going back to Orden playing there you know I think but it's a, a good move as I said like Dublin City Council coming in and doing whatever they're doing like, but I would prefer both for redevelopment Shells redevelopment because two huge clubs and the history through both of them grounds you know that's what are, I would prefer Are you able to see the thought process behind the share and also we can definitely see the point of view of both sets of fans and clubs that you've expressed it very well there that there is so much history and they both want to keep their own but maybe that's just not financially possible. Yeah, I understand from them financial point of views and stuff like um, it will be good you can obviously because you can host other internationals will say there it'll obviously be great if I'm lucky enough to be there when it's done probably be retired or whatever but um, if I'm lucky enough to be there you're playing in a four-seater stadium Um you know, like four stands, all seated, everything. I like, more than four seats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I'm still there, I'd only have four. But um, <laughs> no, it's good. It'd be good to see, like, the play and that if you get a chance to, you know, like, and be amazing. Obviously, like, you know, um, Rovers, they have an extra stand and it makes it look a little bit more professional, I think. So yeah. it'd be obviously be amazing to see the, in, in four stands. Like. Yeah, and in four or five years' time, Carl, we might have a new League of Ireland too. We might have an All-Ireland League and... We've had all these debates in recent weeks about the Noel Quinn group and the Kieran Lucid group and the FAI and the SSE Artricity League and, and more. As again, an experienced League of Ireland player, how closely have you watched those developments and what do you think of, of these ideas and, and where the league might go? Because there's lots of people talking at the moment, including us on all the podcasts and you know, no real assurances as to where it's going to go and if it's going to be a success. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, you know, both... No, Quinn's proposal, you know, kind of lacks real detail, and you know, kind of just buzzwords and 
whatever, like, you know, so the proof would be in the pudding, you know, if that comes to the fore, like, kind of seeing how we want to go about things, but um, certainly the Lucid one was probably a little bit more interesting, probably had a little bit more detail, but, um, you know, certainly an interesting proposal, but again, like, you know, once you get into more detail and, you know, kind of the exact facts of it, um, you know, I think I think it could be a good thing, you know, um, for the league as a whole, um, for the island as a whole, and um, make it more competitive, and, you know, obviously, with greater investment, you know, it's going to develop the game as well and develop the club. So, you know, I'm all for that. Um, and and if it means it's going to get better, like, definitely all for it. Morsi, thank you, Million. Back to work with you. Good luck on Friday. See you soon. Cheers. Take it easy. Thanks, Carl. Cheers. Say goodbye to Bucco, of course. You'll see him on Friday. Is he, I think he could have hung up. You got, oh, he's gone. <laughs> there you go. He's in, the mind games have started. He's hung he's up on you already. <laughs> so, you, Keith, uh, again, you've been around the league so long. The uh, All-Ireland League, would you like to play? You know, the non-Ireland League, would you like the League of Ireland to stay as, a, you know, a league under the FAI or a new league? Or how would you see it and how have you seen the last few weeks and months? I haven't seen the... Um, in, in depth, I haven't seen the stuff. I haven't read m- much stuff about it. But whatever benefits the Irish football, if it's going to benefit it in the long run, no problem. You know, like... You obviously don't want something that's not fully going to be there or really pushed. But if it's going to be really pushed and benefits everyone, like... A, if that's the case, I think maybe some games because of our to do with um, the North of Ireland, the Irish League, maybe some games maybe on Sky Sports. Yeah. Because they they show some games, so that can only um, engage a bit of interest from across the border as well. Like as you see, like some people in England watch the GAA on Sky Sports, you know. So whatever's benefit for the Irish football, that's that's me. With my hands, let them do it. I just keep playing, and if I'm still there when it's done, happy enough. Keith Buckley, thanks a million. No problem, Jay. Yeah, Keith speaking at the launch of the hashtag This Is My Dublin campaign promoting Dublin City Sports Fest 2019. Sports Fest is a week-long celebration of sport and physical activity from the 23rd to the 29th of September. Everybody is encouraged to participate regardless of age, ability or background. More information on all the w's.dublincity.ie forward slash sportsfest and we can't wait as well for all the FAI Cup games. Kicking off on Friday with this cracking game. It's Bows against Shells at Daily Mount at a quarter to eight. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Can't wait for the FAI Cup this weekend. Now our final port of call on this week's Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast is to welcome the dad of a League of Ireland legend to the studio. Very happy to welcome a friend of the show to the studio, Martin Tully. And you'll know the name Tully because of Oren Tully, who is and was a League of Ireland legend. Massive Chelsea fan who came on the That's What I Call Sport here on 98 FM with us. Oh, back in 2014, Martin, was it? I believe it was, early 2014, yeah. Just yeah, so, after he appeared on TV. Yeah, Oren was on uh, Sky Sports' My Special Day with Chelsea and John Terry, Roman Abramovich, Frank Lampard, and we'll hear about that in just a second. But uh, first of all, Dave, a photo of myself and Oren, and uh, this was this was back, Martin. There you go, have a look at the screen there. It doesn't do uh, me any favours for sure, and that's the day when he was on with the late great Johnny Lyons, who was uh, one of my best friends and a presenter here uh, for years, who, who also passed away, and Oren uh, unfortunately passed away on August 26th, of last year, age just 19, and um, a massive part of your life. I used to see him at all the League of Ireland games over the last couple of years, and uh, ever since I met him back on the 98 FM show, we've kind of been able to, to keep in touch, and you're here to tell us about a, a big game in his honour, Scarry's Town, his local club against Bose, his League of Ireland club, coming up very shortly. It is coming up uh, Saturday week, August 17th, 5 o'clock in Park Lane and Scarry's. Um, both clubs have agreed to the fixture. It was suggested by the Scarry's lads to do a charity match in, honours, in Oren's honour. And the obvious club to pick was Bohemians. Uh, both of them were delighted to accept the invitation, and it's, it's, it's a great honour, like for us parents, myself and Claire, to have this match in Scarries and see hopefully a good few Bow supporters and other League of Ireland clubs will come along to support us. And it's, it's to go, a good cause. The Bohemian Foundation and Scarries Youth Support Services are the two charities we're raising the funds for, 
and all phones raised on the day will go to both of those. Yeah, tickets are uh, 10 euro for adults. It's a fiver for kids and uh, one kid goes free with every paying adult as well and we're going to have uh, some uh, great football hopefully on show. It's 5 o'clock on Saturday, 17th of August at Park Lane in Scarystown and a fantastic photo of Oren with his Chelsea gear uh, on the front page of the banner as well. Now before we go any further, we want to bring you back to the That's What I Call Sport back in and around 2014 when the legend that is Oren Tully and his dad Martin joined the legendary Johnny Lyons in studio. Here's a listen to what went on. This is very shortly after Oren became very famous on Sky Sports My Special Day with Chelsea when he met some of his heroes over there in Sanford Bridge. Oren Tully, how are you? Grand Johnny, how are you? It's fantastic to see you. It was, folks, it was one of the stars of Sky Sport in that My Special Day series. And it wasn't just the players who were keen to meet Oren. Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich also came to say a rare hello. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. Can you sign my jersey? Can I ask a question? Yes. What was uh, your greatest moment in your 10 years with Chelsea? Uh, Chelsea. I thought so. <laughs> See ya. OK, that's the uh, Roman Abramovich clip. Uh, that was hilarious stuff. That's the only time Roman Abramovich has been played on, on, on television. Isn't that right? Exclusive interview with the main man. I should take a job off after that, Johnny. <laughs> there was even one surprise we didn't set up. Ron! Chelsea's chief executive, Ron Gourlay, had a special guest of his own at the game. So, Rafa and Ron Gourlay walk out next to each other, and the most important one is. Ron Gourlay. <laughs> then came the moment Oren had been waiting for his chance to meet John. Hey! Hello, mate, how are you? Good. I've heard you've even got an interview with Roman. Yep. Did you ask him a question? Yeah. You know, that's the first time ever. I know, yeah. <laughs> so I've got a little special something for you yeah. in here as well. I've got my shirt from tonight's game. You might have to wash it, though. Uh, I never get it back. And more importantly, you've got to wear the armband. Oh, hell yeah. On the left arm, yeah? Yeah. There we go. I never get it back if it's all the time to wash it. <laughs> you would, I'll bring it to you. Well, what, was your, what was your first time there? Can you remember? Uh, we went to see Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah. And Chelsea had won 2 now. Ah, now. Now that you mentioned Chelsea and Arsenal, now there's a good story about this, folks, as to why Oren Tell- uh, Tully is a Chelsea fan. Do you want to tell us? No, you can tell them, Johnny. No, you, 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 you tell them. You tell them about the, the cup final. Well, it was 2007. Chelsea were playing Arsenal in the cup final. I couldn't decide between the two, so I decided to um, support the winner, and Chelsea came out on top. Thank you very much, folks, for coming in. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, unbelievable stuff there. That is Oren Tully and Johnny Lyons on 98FM all the way back in... In the round, the end of 2013, 2014, and Martin, you, you appeared on that show as well, and there was a great photo of yourself over in Stamford Bridge with Oren. Bring us back to then, and I suppose for people tuning in who, who aren't sure of Oren's story, uh, he was quite sick, and you guys applied for him to go and have a special day with Chelsea, and that's exactly what happened. That's right, yeah. Um, Sky Sports ran the My Special Day series for about three years. Uh, it was children who had illnesses to fulfil their dreams of going to meet their sports stars. So we put an application in for Oren to go and meet one of the Chelsea players. Uh, it turned out it was John Terry. Uh, it was a great trip for us. We went over one day, picked up in, in a limo in the airport, as, as you would be, going to see Chelsea. Um, went to Chelsea, we saw the match, got introduced to all the players afterwards. And uh, a great day out then the next day with John Terry. Uh, Oren was very sick, I suppose. As a baby, he was very sick. And he continued to be sick then for on and off throughout his life but uh, he had a, a very serious bowel condition from about 2009 to when he passed away um, which which basically meant our lives revolved around Oran like our days were timetabled around Oran we had to anything Oran was doing we had to schedule 
him being connected up to his food each night around around that and disconnected in the morning. And it was a it was a long process to connect. It was about forty five minutes to connect, forty five minutes to disconnect in the morning. So you can imagine that took up a big chunk of your life, and one of us always had to be there with him, um, not not with him all the time, but but available to him all the time. So um, it's a huge hold in our lives. Like when since he's gone, and like my wife is is uh, it's it's a struggle for both of us, but uh, we we do our best to keep going. Um, hopefully, you know, in a, the, the likes of this match coming on, it, it's lovely the, the memories it gives you and. Even like the tributes from Bohemians and the other League of Ireland community, I'm sure you saw the round of applause from last year at all the League of Ireland matches after he passed away. That was um, a great honour, like, you know, to, to get that. Yeah, and we're just seeing an image on screen here of it. Rest in peace to Ginger Mourinho. And uh, Oren was known as Ginger Mourinho around the League of Ireland. And uh, he also was becoming a League of Ireland journalist too. And, you know, uh, again, saw him at every Bowes match and he was coming up from the press box and always saying hello and always having a chat as well. And someone who was very, very well known around the League of Ireland circles as well. And, and we're looking at a photo on screen now for those who are listening to the podcast of uh, Oren. Uh, a very famous photo. And I'd like Martin to tell us more. You can see Oren at the top of the picture there. We've uh, highlighted him in red uh, among the Bowes fans and the jersey that Orm's actually wearing that night is just behind us here in studio and that was one of the uh, very many times Martin in the last number of matches that uh, Bowes have beaten Rovers it was indeed that was out in Tala uh, I can't remember which one that one was but uh, I think it's five in a row now is it yeah it is yeah yeah and um, the, Orm would have loved it I mean he the last match that Bowes played before he passed away was against Rovers in Tala which they won 2-1 if I recollect correctly um, and he, he absolutely would have loved to be there. Unfortunately, he couldn't be. His last tweet was about that match as well. Um, so he, he, he loved the form that Bowes are in at the minute as well, doing so well in the league and, and beating Rovers all the time, of course. So, uh, But that, that picture was, was just brilliant. It was, I think it was Luke O'Reardon and Bowes uh, did, did the picture, put him black and white and even orange in colour. And uh, it's a beautiful picture. Like, you, know, you have it in framed at home and it's... Uh, it's a great one to have. It's one of our best best memories for him. Yeah, and uh, they say, you know, you can tell a lot about a person from their wallet. And Martin has Oren's wallet uh, with him. And uh, there's some, some really nice memories of Oren's football in it involving Chelsea and the League of Ireland from a Bowes point of view and also from a media point of view as well. And, and Martin, you, you were just showing me off air there. You, you might just, uh, you know, have, have a look through it and explain to us exactly what's in it. Um, this, the first, the first card I take out, it's his FAI season tickets, which sadly he never got to use. Um... It was for 2018-19, so he passed away in August, the first match was in September, and uh, sadly he didn't get to use that one, but uh, the ones he did get to use, he got to use his FAI media pass um, the previous year, 2018, and uh, he I had actually have my own one in here somewhere, we can probably compare, he, uh, get over here now, yeah there we go, so there's uh, and he was, my one from 2018 and Oren's as well. And he was delighted to get uh, get this pass because he knew quite a few people, probably Jamie was among them, who couldn't get theirs before he got his. Yeah. Um, in that particular year, he knew people who'd applied before him and they didn't get theirs and he got his. Um, I also have a season ticket from 2016 in Bowles. He, he got that as a, he purchased that as a, an early Christmas present for himself. Nice. Because the, they were going cheap as a juvenile. Uh, we won't tell anybody that he was over 13 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked, he looked a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I have here is his is, is Chelsea ticket membership, uh, which he used to purchase his tickets to Chelsea home and away in England um, whenever he got the chance to go over. 
after of course seeing Bowles on a Friday night Yeah and we also have some tickets here for Euro 2016 we have his Chelsea woolly hat with a lot of uh, the badges and his Ireland cap as well and uh, he was a man for every time he went to a game he wanted to collect something to remember or for him to remember the game and, and to kind of prove that he'd been there he did. Um, you can see from his hat here, both, both the Chelsea hat here, yeah. uh, which has a lot of badges from various uh, clubs that he visited with Chelsea or various uh, memorabilia from Chelsea itself. You've got the likes of Fabregas on there and various uh, Diego Costa and a few others there from great memories. He also has his Ireland badge, of course, to show that he's an Ireland supporter. Yeah, very nice. And, and the FA Cup Pat- as well. But some Sorry. unbelievable, Oops. there goes my pen, some unbelievable um, little badges. I used to collect them myself when I was a kid and I kind of stopped yeah. and it's a big regret. Like. He, uh, yeah, every every match we, I can't remember when he started. He started around 2015 or so, and uh, every match he went to, then he got a match day, uh, match match day badge, either, either one for Ireland versus the country or one for the country itself. So uh, g- many many great matches, many great memories. Um, and I was, and just when you mentioned the tickets in Ireland, like we, he dragged me along to Euro 2016. Uh, I have to admit now, he 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 organised the trip himself. Uh, he organised the flights anyway, he made sure we, we got out there ch- as cheap as we could. We flew into Dusseldorf, dro- drove up near Paris, stayed there for the for the 11 days and we went to six different matches, um, uh, including obviously the, the three Ireland group games. And it, was, uh, it was a great trip and I'm, I'm delighted now I did it because it's something he wanted to do and we knew he wouldn't be able to get to Russia because of his medical condition. Mm-hmm. We knew Qatar was out again because of his medical condition. So. And now that we've done this one, it was uh, it's a great memory to have because he um, he got to do what he really loved. Yeah, and if we look as well about you know the seven or eight Chelsea games that Oren got to go to as well, plus the Euros, plus all of the Bowes matches as well. Like he he was nineteen when he died. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So like for someone of that age to have got to so many brilliant football matches around the world, most of them with you as well. I know it's you know in hindsight. I'm sure, you know, a sad memory, but as well to have all those moments and the photos and, and the souvenirs is something that I'm sure you can look back on at, you know, at, at different times and, and have a laugh and, and have a smile and maybe have a cry as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, um, I remember one weekend, actually, we went to three matches in England. Uh, my, my brother had a good friend who was well connected. My brother's well connected and uh, he had a good friend in London, um, John, uh, I can't remember his surname, but John anyway supplied us with tickets to see Fulham and Aston Villa, Arsenal, and I, uh, Newcastle and then Chelsea and Fulham on all in the space of four days and it was a great trip for him. He was in hospital at the time uh, in Great Ormond Street so it was it, it was a tough trip but he, he was well enough to go to all three matches thankfully because uh, he got very sick actually to, about two days after the third match so it was great that he got to see those games and uh, really really enjoyed that trip but, but and as many others we enjoyed like we we'd went to Great Ormond Street a number of occasions and every time we made sure we got to a football match or two just to brighten up the occasion because when you go to Great Ormond Street it's not for it's not for good reasons um, they're trying to figure out what's wrong with you or how can we fix you and they don't always succeed Yeah and we're speaking on a League of Ireland podcast Martin too tell me and us about Oren's love of bowls where it came from and the importance of the club in his life because again you know we're seeing one of the banners here I'm not here for a long time I'm here for you know a good time Oren had a great time and lots of those great memories involve Bohemians they did. Um, we went to our first League of Ireland matches. His older brother Darrell was a became a Shelbourne supporter when he was young, but Oran was having none of that. He wasn't interested in that shower down in Talca, so he he decided to adopt another club. And uh, when he was about 14, 15, Bowes came on the horizon, and um, on and off he went to them over the four season. But, but by 2016, he was a he was a regular and he was at every single match. Um, 
he he travelled where, wherever he could. He travelled away. He certainly went to all the home matches wherever he could. He travelled away, and um, we could tell like a lot of the players and through his YouTube channel, he was he was interviewing Bowes players and and they all got to know him and they chat to him after games and he he get his interviews. He get them up almost almost live, not quite, but uh, up on his channel and. Um, he just became known around the club and loved him. And to be honest, on the on the day of his funeral, we 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 walked the last couple of minutes up to the church, and as we stepped out of the car, the whole Bowes squad was there. Yeah. And it was it was it was a great tribute from them. Yeah. You know, so it showed us what he meant to them as much as what you know they meant to him. Yeah. Because um, only the week before we actually met the. I mentioned the Bohemian Foundation with the matches in in, in aid of, along with the Scary Youth Support Services. But uh, the week before Oren passed away, we met Oscar Brennan, former Bowls player, yeah. who um, he was on his way into Mountjoy Prison because the Bohemian Foundation do some work with Mountjoy and trying to rehabilitate prisoners uh, on the, before they come out. And um, Oren happened to meet Oscar as I say a week before he died. They had to chat for about 10-15 minutes and uh, and then he headed off into the prison where we went. We were just walking around the hospital trying to give Oren a bit of air and a bit of sanity to be honest with you from being locked in a dark room in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. And but, uh, I, I suppose the uh, the relationship that those players had with him as well is, you know, is, is probably shown, you know, by the fact that they were at the funeral and they were there and, and you know, after that period when all of the you know the League of Ireland games particularly bows and the rounds of applause and the cheers and, and you know that hasn't been forgotten now I'm sure there's different times where you know Oren's name is chanted and stuff and, and again that's something that you know the legacy that he's left on, on a lot of people you know from these football clubs is, is, is something incredible really. Oh yeah yeah it, it is I mean we were all sitting at home after the funeral, day after the funeral and uh, it was a full round of the League of Ireland matches on and they were given a 19 minute applause from and it was fantastic just to see everything coming in on Twitter and Facebook and it gave us great comfort and um, just to have that there as a memory is fantastic. Uh, but Bowes in particular, I mean Bowes have been absolutely brilliant. They really have. Chris Bryan, the president, he, he brought us down to a couple of matches, he, they looked after us at the club. The, at the recent friendly against Chelsea, they did a minute silence or a round of applause for them, and um, it was uh, overall like they, they've just been fantastic. They're, re they're a real family club. They look after people. Um, I never realised how good they were until Lauren passed away. Like you know, it was it was um, you realised then like not not just how good Bows are, but a lot of the League of Ireland clubs. They're, they're very much the same. They're all community clubs. They're looking after. They look after their own. You come and look. If you do a bit for them, they they look after you. And in fairness, you know, Bowes have been fantastic for us. Yeah, and that famous Bohemians jersey as well is uh, just over my right shoulder, Dave. I'm not sure if, if we can see it. It's just over Martin's shoulder there as well. And again, that iconic photo really of of Oren and at that match cheering on Bowes against Rovers as well. And how we would have loved to be at the, the most recent Bowes and Rovers games as well. And Here's a little look as well at the uh, the poster for the game, which uh, I'll go with that camera there. Sorry, Dave. Which is uh, Oran's charity football match taking place in Skerries and Park Road on Saturday, August 17th. Skerries Town Football Club and Martin is in the Skerries colours there against Bohemians. Uh, adult tickets are a tenner. There it is on screen. There, adult tickets are a tenner. Uh, kids are just a fiver, and one child goes free with every adult as well. Kickoff is at five o'clock. All in memory of Oran Tully. And the proceeds going to the Skerries Youth Support Services and also the Bohemian Foundation. And uh, Martin, just lastly, you're looking forward to being at the game. What can we expect from it? Hopefully, a, a massive crowd. I'm at a game in Monaghan. 
anything that afternoon, but I'm hoping to get home as quickly as I can and, and, and get up to Skerries and cheer the lads on and, and, and watch Skerries against Bowes and you know his two clubs because he was of course when he was younger as well he was he was a, a very active coach in Skerries when he had to stop playing he started coaching there straight away and um, you know for his two clubs to be playing a football match for him in, in his hometown is something that I'm sure you're looking forward to going to, to be a part of. I, I am like uh, even, even all, the, all the people in Skerries were involved in putting it together and it's got it's got a great reaction around Skerries. Um, I'm expecting it I'm actually expecting it a good game because, like as you know, Bohemians are League of Ireland club. Scaries are about four leagues below them in yeah. the senior league, and Bowls won't want to be beaten by Scaries. Scaries will be wanting to put it up to Bowls and see how good they really are. And um, so, should, I reckon it'll be a good entertaining game. It's it's Scaries' first game of the season, so hopefully uh, everybody comes along will get some good football to watch, and, uh, and they raise good money for charity as well, like, which is what it's all about, and give us some another nice memory of Ireland as well. Lastly, the key question, who would Oran have been cheering for? They're going to kill me in scaries, but I think Bowes. <laughs> <laughs> and if it was Bowes against Chelsea, this is, this is a more important question. I... I don't I would go. I would have gone with Chelsea when I first met him, but haven't seen him the last few years. I would have said he would have. He would have went with Bowes. I'd be certain of the Bowes one for the for the Bowes and Chelsea. Hundred percent, it'd be Bowes. Martin Tully, thanks a million for coming in. Appreciate your time. Remembering a fantastic young person. The best look at the game. We'll keep in touch. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, emotional stuff there from Martin Tully. That full interview. You can watch it right now in YouTube.com forward slash Off the Ball. That's it for episode 27 of the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. You heard from Martin Tully, you heard from Carl Moore and Keith Buckley, you heard from Declan Fabio O'Brien and also from Patrick Hoop. And more from all of those in the podcast section of offtheball.com and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball.